0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. You should always stand for what's right and do the honorable thing. Evil will flourish when the good do nothing. Sacrifices often must ultimately be made for the greater good to triumph. So it's important to remember to also be careful, because as today's stories show us, no good deed goes unpunished. First, the danger when you can't trust mother. Followed by the unexpected lurking in a graveyard. Then, desperation to make a friend turns deadly. Finally, in our featured story, an officer will try to save a life not realizing who the real victim is. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon, as a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? No
0: good deed.
1: Paternal figures have so many rules for us to follow. It's hard to know which ones are most important because forget the wrong rule and it may cost you or someone you love everything, like in this story inspired by L. Dragon. I was nine years old, living in West Bengal, and it was time for Bala, the dog, to go out for a walk. Bala was a loyal pup and had been my grandmother's companion since before I was born. It was painful to watch my grandmother move her achy old body down the stairs, so I volunteered to walk the dog. My mother wasn't keen on this since it was getting dark, but she knew it would be helpful to my grandmother. She rattled off her usual list of don'ts. Don't forget your keys. Don't be out past nightfall. Don't respond to strangers, especially in secluded areas. You never know what... What kind of evil is out there? I know, Ma. I mocked as I took Bala and flew out the door. I went to the open fields next to the forest near my house and played with Bala for an hour. And before I knew it, the sun was about to set. "'Okay, girl, it's time to get back,' I called to Bala. But Bala didn't move. She just stared toward the forest as if alarmed by something. "'What's wrong, girl?' I walked toward her, but she growled and snarled at me. I lunged to grab her by the collar, but must have spooked her because she ran into the forest. I went after her, calling her name, as I ran deeper into the woods. After what seemed like forever, I finally snagged Bala by the collar. Bala, what's gotten into you? Don't you know what Mom said? She's gonna be so mad when she… I was then interrupted by a rustling sound of trees ahead of me, along with the faint and familiar voice of my mom. Bainoba, come here. She must be really mad that she had to search for me in the dark. She spoke again, a bit louder this time. Come here. Grandma is waiting. Let's go home together. It was Mom. I, I couldn't see her through the brush, but that was her voice. I was just about to respond... Then I looked down and saw Bala was growling again. But this time, she growled toward my mom in the trees. I stayed silent. My stomach tangled into knots as I remembered my mother's don't list. Don't respond to strangers, especially in secluded areas. I couldn't see her. Was that really my mom? The voice called again. I know, by. come here. I tried to back away, pulling on Bala, who started to snarl and scratch in the dirt. Something was wrong. We both knew it. In a deeper tone, we heard. I said, come here. That was definitely not Mom. I tried to pull Bala back with me, but she wouldn't budge. The rustling in the trees got closer. We had to go. I tugged on Bala with all my might, trying to get her to leave with me. Then Bala tore away from my grasp. She turned back to me and barked as if to say, run. So I did. I ran as fast as I could, through the forest, hearing only the sounds of Bala. First, she was growling and barking, putting up a real fight against… what? I shudder to think. Her fight sounds quickly turned into cries of pain, and finally, just whimpers as I made my way out of the woods. Her cries echoed in my ears, along with one last, chilling call of the deep, maniacal voice of my mother that said, I have your scent now, wretched child. I didn't turn around. I couldn't risk it. I just kept running. With tears streaming down my face until I finally got to my house, I sprinted inside and into the kitchen. Oh, by Nova. I was so worried. Where were you? My mother said, hugging me tight. And where's Bala? I hugged her back with tears in my eyes. Bala ran into the woods, and I tried to follow her. But then there was this thing that sounded just like you, Mom. Bala, she protected me my grandma grabbed me by the shoulders and asked me how many times the thing called my name twice i think i answered and you said it sounded like me my mom asked i nodded and my mother said i know this may scare you but that thing you heard was a nishidak my grandma nodded in agreement they're evil spirits that trick people by changing their voices into those you know. They lure you in, and once close enough, they reveal themselves and take your life. You can identify a nishidok because they can only call your name two times each time they hunt you. My grandma and my mom both hugged me. They were thankful I was safe and felt grateful that Bala was there to protect me, but... Now my mother has one more rule for me. I dare not answer until she calls me three times. The Nishi Doc is out there hunting, and it still has my scent. Thank you so much, L-Dragon. Ooh, this tale is chilling, isn't it? I mean, how many times have you been just walking around, and you think that you hear your name? Do you listen to the warnings that your parents or older siblings give you? What type of danger have you ever been in while in the woods? And how about that pet near you? Would your pet give their life to protect you?
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. It's easy to judge someone by
1: their appearance, but people are complex. And there is always something more than meets the eye. But also, when you do look closer, be sure you're ready for what you may find. Like what one man found in this letter, inspired by Nigina. Hi, Markia. This is a story that Yasser, my granddad, told me. He lived in Kabul, Afghanistan, and in his 20s was working in a small convenience store. The store was on the outskirts of the city and around the corner from a church cemetery. No one ever wanted to work the night shifts at the store because this area was believed to be a place where gins and ghosts would be lurking. Just silly folklore simply because it was near a graveyard. People have a misconception that dead or ghost automatically means bad. Yasser did not fall for this and was not afraid to work the night shift. Night after night, Yasser would be bored with the uneventfulness of his job. A few odd characters would come in to grab midnight snacks or see if they had any black market liquor, but that was the extent of the nighttime traffic until one night. It was 2.30 a.m., when Yasser noticed a woman on the security camera. She was in the beverage aisle, which was weird because he hadn't noticed her come into the store. He must not have heard the bells on the entrance door. The woman was wearing a raggedy white dress and her hair was stringy and dirty and unkempt. He squinted into the security monitor to get a better look at her face, but he couldn't quite make it out. Just then, The front entrance door swung open, bells and all. This startled Yasser as he looked up to see two guys walk in. When he looked back to the monitor, the woman was gone. Yasser didn't think much of it until around 2.30 a.m. the next night. There, the woman was on the security camera, once again having somehow snuck past Yasser. He studied her closely as she took a small carton of milk out of the refrigerator. Then, he suddenly heard the front doorbells, but no one was there. And when he looked back at the monitor, she was gone, along with a carton of milk. Yasser was annoyed, but something seemed off about the woman. Based on her appearance, he thought maybe she was homeless. He reasoned that she must have really needed the milk, so he just let it be. This happened two more nights in a row. And finally, on the next night of the woman appearing, Yasser's curiosity got the best of him. Plus, he needed to have a more concrete explanation for the boss about where these small cartons of milk were disappearing to. So, after the woman slipped out the front door, so did Yasser, locking up the store behind him. He ran to try to catch up with her, but then noticed She was walking slowly. It was almost eerily slow. He followed her up around the corner, still trying to get a glimpse of her face. She finally stopped in front of the graveyard gate and just stood there. As Yasser crept closer, the air began to chill. He got a terrible feeling in the pit of his stomach, and he noticed that she was muttering something under her breath. He heard the woman say in a raspy voice, Stop following me. Yasser froze where he stood. His stomach dropped as he watched her seemingly pass through the locked graveyard gates. Despite being stricken with fear, when the woman was far enough ahead, Yasser hopped the gate and continued to follow her quietly. She came to a full stop in front of an empty grave. The man started to hear a sound. It sounded like crying. There was a crying baby in the graveyard. He saw the woman slowly open the milk carton. She then dropped it into the grave and turned to stare at Yasser directly. He was looking at her face for the first time now and was haunted by a beautiful face with horrifying white eyes. They had no color, just stark white circles staring back at him. With her dry, pained voice, she said,
0: You must take
1: care of her now. Then the woman threw herself into the grave. Yasser ran to the front of the dugout hole, only to see a small baby girl, no longer crying, but sipping milk from the small carton he instinctively climbed down to scoop up the baby. Yasser, my granddad, has told me this story many times because it's the story of how he found my mother and came to be her father. Thank you so much, Nigina, for contacting us with this story and especially for sharing such an interesting family origin. So I'm wondering, you listeners out there, Would you be so bold as to follow someone into a graveyard? As quiet as they are, when you listen, graveyards tend to be very noisy. Making new friends in a new town is hard enough, but making the wrong friend will drive you mad like in this story inspired by Kylie. It was freezing cold as I sat on the front steps of the new duplex apartment my mom and I had just moved into. I was giving her the silent treatment, but I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to sit outside with the biting breeze in the air. We had been fighting nonstop since she told me that we were moving. I was mad I had to leave the city with all of my friends and go to this little town where I knew no one. The lack of people and streetlights gave me the creeps. I would never make new friends here. Just as I was about to give up and head inside for a reprieve from the chill, a boy from the duplex next door came outside. He looked about my age and came right up to me. I'm Kylan, he said. You just moved in? I nodded my head, yes. He sat right down next to me and pulled out his phone. He asked me if I played Clash Royale, and I nodded, yes, again. Pulled out my phone, and we started to play. My fingers were so cold, I could barely tap my screen. We played in silence, but it was nice to not feel so alone. It seemed as though I had made my first friend. My mom shouted for me from inside, and I told Kylan I should probably head back. We stood up and Kylan pointed up to the second-story window. Is that your room? He asked. It was. He told me his bedroom was right on the other side of the wall. He thought we should have a code. He tapped out a pattern on the railing. I tapped it back. We both laughed at having a (laughs) secret knock all to ourselves. Just tap if you need me. I'll always be here. Kaylin said as he snuck in through his front door. Maybe this place wasn't so bad after all, I thought to myself. My mom flung the front door open this time, telling me I had better get inside or I'd freeze to death. I scowled and dragged myself through the door. That night, laying in my empty room with no memories, I felt isolated. Then I remembered the secret knock. Not knowing if Kylan would respond, I tapped on the wall. Almost instantly, Kylan tapped back. It put a huge smile on my face and I fell asleep. The next day, I set out on the front steps again. Not to spite my mom this time, but to wait for my new friend to come outside. I stayed out as long as I could stand the cold, but Kylan never showed so much for always being there, I thought. I was in bed that night, and to my surprise, Kylan knocked. I knocked back right away. We went back and forth a few times, then I dozed off to sleep. I was startled awake by more knocking on my wall. I looked at the clock. It was two in the morning. I didn't knock back. Kylan knocked again, and I pulled my pillow over my head. It was too late for this. Then... I heard banging and I froze. This time, I heard it on my window. That was impossible. No one could be banging outside on my second story window. I knew that logically, but I couldn't fall asleep the rest of the night. In the morning, I told my mom what happened. She said she went to the bathroom in the middle of the night. That must have been the sounds I heard. When nighttime rolled around again, I was anxious about what I would hear. On top of that, I was exhausted from little to no sleep the night before. I laid in bed with my eyes wide open and no pillow over my head. I had to hear where the knocks were coming from. Just like before, Kylan started knocking on the wall. Then the knocks quickly moved to the window. I jumped out of bed and peered out into the jet-black streets. There was nothing. Then suddenly, the knocking was coming from everywhere. The door, wall, and window all shook as the knocking continued, louder and faster. I could hear something screaming. Let me in. Then I felt it coming from below my feet. My mom... I thought as I flew out of my room and went running down the stairs. My mom was in the kitchen and I begged her to come into my room to hear the uproar. I wanted her to witness it for herself. When she came into my room, she could hear the knock on the wall. She was annoyed. She banged back on the wall and shouted for Kylan to stop messing around immediately. Suddenly. Kylan's knocking turned to banging like my mom's, coming from all directions, louder and louder, until it just suddenly stopped. My mother stayed with me in my room that night, but neither of us were able to sleep. The next morning, my mom took me and we marched over to the neighbor's front door and knocked, but there was no answer. We peered through the windows and discovered the apartment was empty. My mom thinks it was a drifter hiding in that apartment during the cold winter nights, but I know it was something else because sometimes late at night I still hear the secret knock. Kylie, thank you so much for sending us this story. Inspiring, I'm sure, a bunch of chills for everyone who's listening right now. Because a lot of us are still sheltering in place in our houses, you become a lot more aware of the settling noises that your house or apartment makes. Sure, that could be a pipe or it could be something else trying to be let in. So listener, what are the things that keep you up at night? Would you be happy to have a friend who isn't necessarily alive? or would that scare you? It's difficult to appreciate the blessings you've been given until they are gone. When you hunger for a better life and neglect those you love, there's no telling what harm that will cause. Vivek was a young man with a wife and baby at home near Kolkata. Struggling to make ends meet, he took a job as a forest officer. He was finally able to provide for his family, but his job stationed him far from home. He didn't like being away from them, but this particular job paid very well. No one wanted the post at the Dow Hill Forest Camp in West Bengal. It was understood that whoever was on duty overnight near the river had to return to the camp by sunup, or they would fall prey to Pranitha. Long ago, Pranitha was a very beautiful woman who was horribly neglected by her husband. He was never home and valued his career and friends over his wife. The loneliness led to a corrupting rage. And finally, she decided if he couldn't give her his attention, then he would give it to no one at all. One night, when he came home after being gone for days, she decided enough was enough and Pranitha murdered her husband. Fearing the consequences, she fled deep into the forest to live among the tall trees. Eventually, her scattered remains were discovered throughout the forest. Alone and with little to no survival skills, she had been torn apart by the wild boars that roamed those woods. Angry at the fate she suffered, blaming it on her husband's neglect, her spirit became twisted and malevolent it was said to haunt Dow Hill Forest, searching for men out too late and neglecting their own wives at home. Despite the bonus pay that was also offered for the post, many seasoned officers married or unmarried refused it. Vivek, however, didn't believe in ghosts, so he agreed to take the post in Dow Hill. On his first night of rounds, he began to explore deep into the beautiful wilderness, Hours passed, and he found himself near the river just before dawn, his mind running free with thoughts of his wife and child. Feeling a chill set in, he was startled back to reality with the sound of an ear-shattering scream. He looked through the brush and saw in the distance a woman, huddled and wailing. Are you hurt? he asked. The woman cried, Hello, I'm lost. I can't find my way out. As Vivek trekked closer, he could make out a beautiful woman. She appeared to be wearing a red sari. Traditional attire that many Indian women wore. However, red is the color usually reserved for brides. She looked extremely out of place and really must have been lost. Vivek called over, telling her he'll get her out of there. She could stay at their camp until they could get her home. She agreed. As they trudged through the woods, Vivek offered her his hand over a fallen log. When she placed her hand in his, it felt weightless, as if there was nothing there. He must have been outside for too long, he thought. His hands were too frozen to feel properly. The woman still trailed at a slow pace behind him. She seemed tired, terrified and was trying to hike through the woods in a sorry, which was difficult in and of itself. He turned around to see if she needed more help catching up, but when he looked, she was gone. Suddenly, a voice came from up ahead. It was the woman. She shouted, try to catch up. Confused because he didn't see her pass him, he moved quickly to catch up with her. She asked him if he was married, and he said yes. Well... "'Your wife must not be that special to you "'if you're so far from her and out here with me,' she said. Vivek thought about this, missing his wife desperately now. When he looked back for the woman, again, she was ahead of him. This continued to happen. Each time Vivek caught up, she would lag behind. Then in an instant, she would be ahead, waiting for him. It happened one more time, then she called.' Try to catch up, Vivek, he froze. He had never told her his name. Vivek began to close the gap so as not to alarm her that something was wrong, but his pulse started to pound through his neck. He had been freezing cold, but was sweating now and trying to act normal. A sliver of light was cast onto the woman as the sun was about to rise. Vivek could now see her sari in greater detail. It wasn't a sari. She was actually draped in thick, dripping blood. Stunned, he knew this must be the bride, Pranitha. If he could just get past her and through the river before the sun came up, he would be safe. He walked close to her again, trying not to vomit at the sight of her blood-drenched body. They were at the river now, and as he took a step into the water, Pranitha tried to stop him. This time, as she touched him, he could feel her bloody hand sticking to his skin. Won't you carry me? I'm so cold, she pleaded. Vivek took this as a sign that she could not cross the running water on her own. With a quick breath, He wrenched his arm away from her and dived headfirst into the river. He kicked as hard as he could to get upstream and away from the gruesome bride. She cackled behind him, a sound only evil could make. You don't deserve your wife. She's the unlucky one. This isn't over, Vivek. It will never be over for you. Vivek finally reached the camp, soaked and in shock. The sun was up and he was safe, but he couldn't unhear the cackling from the evil bride or unfeel his arm in her clutches. He had to leave that job and return to his family. He would not neglect his wife like Pranitha was neglected by her husband. The only problem was, now the man couldn't stop thinking of the horrors he had found in the forest. Plagued by nightmares and unable to hold a job, Vivek slowly went mad. His wife tried to be patient with him, but eventually she took their daughter and left. The once-loving husband and father was now all alone, stuck only with his vivid memories of the horrid woman in the red sari. Pranitha's vengeance was complete. There's more than one way to destroy a man. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman.